Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Engage the official Star Trek podcast. That's what you're listening to. Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome. What? A great time to be listening. We just watched episode 107 of Star Trek Discovery. Episode 7. I'm not calling it 107. Episode 7. Magic to make the sanest go mad. What is this called? Magic to make the the sanest sanest man man go mad. mad. I looked it up, by the way. It's a quote. Um, What a time. Holy smokes. Uh, Thanks for listening. My name's Jordan Hoffman. With us again is Brian. As always, say hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. And wait, what's that I hear in the background? Oh, it's starting to get a little funky. As you know, hundreds of years from now, they'll still be listening to Wyclef Jean (laughs) and his version of whatever the heck this... It's called. It's not called staying alive. It's called. We trying to stay alive. That's right. Turn it up. This is great. What's better? This is the Beastie Boys. I'm a, I'm a Beastie fan. Yeah, it's, a, it's close. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this this is. Um, I, I I like when it's a little more original. I mean, this is obviously a sample. This heavily a sa- sampled. So it's a sample. It's a thematic thing. We trying to stay alive. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Because next time you're trapped in a time crystal loop yes. of exploding starships. Maybe a little too on the nose. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, clearances. They had to get the one that probably, this may not have been the first pick. Um, let's just jump right to it, man. In Star Trek The Next Generation, Lieutenant Data, Lieutenant Commander Data, <laughs> Commander Data, whatever the hell his name is, Data, would play an oboe uh, and play Johannes Brahms and Mozart. But on Discovery, they jam out to Wycliffe Jean. And there are people who are going to... When I was watching this, as soon as I heard the quote-unquote modern music, yeah, I'm like, oh, I, there's a couple of fans that just are going to freak out. I uh, I had the same the same uh, thoughts. I, I actually, like, the first, like, 10 minutes or so of the show, I yeah. was like, what is going on here? <laughs> I thought it was really... Uh, when I heard the music, I was like, oh, I can't wait. I, I a couple of friends of mine who are just... You know, they just get annoyed at that sort of thing. It's like, oh, my, you know, why would they be listening to modern music? I'll tell you why. It was late 20th century theme night that night on Discovery. Yes. They were doing a theme night. <laughs> there were people who were like probably hearing that song for the first time. And Al Green, Let's Stay Together, they played later. Later in the loop. <laughs> so I'm ready to uh, to throw down. But anyway, it sounded great. 
Magic to make the sanest man go mad is a quote from Homer. The name of this episode last week was late. I still don't know how to pronounce it. Lave, Lady, Lave, Lethe, 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 which also had a Greek thing. You know, it's yes. an ancient, ancient Greek uh, stream in Hades where one goes to forget things. Magic to make the sanest man go mad is, and I know this because I'm a great scholar. A great scholar who 20 minutes ago Googled the phrase. I was going to say, are you a scholar of Google? I'm a scholar of Google. <laughs> there is the heat of love. This is from the Iliad, which I was assigned to read in eighth grade. I think I read that. I think I actually read it. Ninth grade. The eighth grade was the Odyssey. Um, no, I didn't read it. I never did the reading. <laughs> Not for that. Later in, later in my high school career. But I'm going to read the Iliad. Give me a break. Yeah, it's, it's not easy to get. There. It's very difficult. To, I mean, I paid attention in class. I understood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved the story, but the poet, poetic aspect of it was too much for my brain. I just, <laughs> I, it, I doesn't, it doesn't sink in. I guess I'm a... I guess I'm admitting to being a little bit of a mental midget when it comes to the poetic aspects of it. But I paid attention. I remember they... You know, they, they um, tied the dead body on a horse... Uh, instead of letting it... Um, hey, well, you you seem to remember it better than I do. No, I remember they tied a body. <laughs> Hector or somebody tied a body to somebody. Tied, tied, tied somebody's dead body um, and uh, would not allow it to have the proper burial. And this was a real... This really caused some strife, you know? Magic to make the sanest man go mad. It comes from a quote. There, in the heat, there is the heat of love, the pulsing rush of longing, the lover's whisper, irresistible... Magic to make the sanest man go mad. So how does that really fit in with this week's, what I thought was really fun and really, uh, really, really enjoyable episode? How does it fit in? Well, uh, you know, there's longing and love, right? There's the, there's the kind of the side. What was really cool about this is this was not simply um, a cause and effect, edge of tomorrow, Groundhog Day, Happy Death Day shtick. There was, yeah, it was a little different. We learned a liked. little bit about Michael Burnham and her relationship to Ash Tyler, her feelings and her feelings about relationships in general. Her. She's never been in love. Yeah. That's her big secret. It's heavy duty. So, uh, yeah. So this week's episode was a Groundhog's Day time loop. Pretty thing, much. Yeah. Which uh, I you kind of I kind of knew from watching the uh, preview the week earlier. I didn't. Uh, I I didn't see the previews. So I'm gonna I, yeah, stop. I, I came in. Uh, I'm gonna stop reading, the, watching those previews. I I, I kind of like going in blind. Yeah, yeah, me too. I wish I hadn't done it, but uh, it's it's basic now. Groundhog's Day, by the way, cause and effect. The episode of cause and effect, which yes. was a time loop from TNG, ep, uh, season five, was about a year before Groundhog Day. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. About a year. I mean, you know, movies take a long time to make. Yes. I'm, Somebody's calling me. Should I take it? <laughs> Why not? I, if it's terrible, we can no, get it's it out. No, it's an unrecognized number. It's probably okay. uh, I don't, somebody I want to talk to. <laughs> I usually put my phone on vibrate. I apologize to the listeners. I'm only human. Uh, so this was um, what I thought was really cool about this, the way they did. Because let's be fair. To do a Groundhog's Day is not new. No, because there's there's no no one Star Trek. It's cause and effect. Yeah, in a way, it's a it's an homage. There's Groundhog Day. There's a really great movie uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise which, and um, Emily Blunt. Yeah, which was a bit of a flop at the well, not a flop. It just wasn't a success. Well, it, it had a weird lifespan because it it started off as. Uh, um, 
with a different title, and then well, they changed <laughs> it like the week the week it came out or something. That's actually your facts are incorrect. But the fact that you said that is further evidence of, the, of how badly the studio. In this case, Warner Brothers screwed it up. Well, I mean, the original, the the, the, the book or manga it's based manga, on yeah. is uh, "Live, Die, all, Repeat." All you need is kill. All you need is kill, which is another. T- which is, that's right. That's a terrible title. Yeah. So I mean, it's a. Oh yeah. yeah so yes, Edge of Tomorrow was the name of the movie, and then they changed it to "Live, Die, Repeat" yeah. afterwards for like the, like the the DVD release. Exactly. It was called "All You Need Is Kill" while they were shooting. Yeah. And then they said, "This title sucks. We got to change it." So they called it "Edge of Tomorrow," which sounds like a soap opera. Yeah, it's very the, generic. Sounding. And then the poster. The tagline for the poster was "Live, Die, die repeat. repeat." Yeah, and everybody was like, "Why don't you just call it Live, Die, Repeat'?" <laughs> and then when the DVD came out, it was called "Live, Die, Repeat: Colon Edge of Tomorrow" yes. or something like that. But everybody was calling it "Live, Die, Repeat." "Live, Die, Repeat's a great, a great title. Yeah. Um, I, I, who knows why it didn't do well? It, you know, it's it's always um, you never can tell. You know, there's funny. There's a movie that's out in theaters right now called. Uh, this too had a bungled title because uh, it was called something else and they changed it to something very generic. It's called <laughs> shit. What is it called? It's about firefighters, and it's uh, it was originally called the Granite Mountain Hotshots, which oh, is the name yes. the name of the group. I saw the trailer for this. Yeah, and it was called the Granite Mountain Hotshots, and then they changed it to you know like Tales of Glory or something like that. Very generic. Uh. What the hell is it called? Um, it's this really proving my point here. Uh, Granite Mountain. Hot shots. What is the movie called? Um, Only the Brave. Only the yeah. Okay. It's not called Only the Brave. Tagline: The true story of the Granite Mountain Hot Shots. And the reason I bring it up is um, this movie is no masterpiece by any any stretch. But I went to see it, and it because uh, I reviewed it and I wrote about it, and um, it did very well in the screening. And I'm like, man, this thing, this is going to make a, a zillion dollars. You know, it's going to hit that uh, American sniper audience. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of a um, for lack of a better you know, heart, did American just, Sniper do that well? Yeah, yeah, in the, yeah. In the bo- oh, that was a that, that was a monster. No, yeah. no I, I I remember it being uh, you know highly talked about and critically, critically acclaimed, but yeah. I, I didn't know it made no, money. No, no, American Sniper made okay. a, a bank load, and uh, you know I thought this would hit the same uh, audience, and I'm like, man, this this movie, only the brave get out of its way, man. This is gonna have legs. This is gonna. <laughs> This is going to knock the box office on its ear. It came out just total flop. Just no, <laughs> And so nobody saw it. And then what's going to happen is a year from now, uh, it's going to come out. Well, not, now the window is much shorter. It's going to show up on, on HBO and whatnot. And people are going to say, I never heard of this movie. It's, it's pretty good uh, for what it is. Anyway, dig. So why did I bring this up? There have been a lot of movies and uh, shows that do the time loop. Uh, you know, Groundhog Day being probably the most famous. And what I love about this, other than it's got all my favorite characters like Saru and Stamets and all, and it's on a spaceship, um, is that you, the viewer, we, the perceivers, the, the story, the, the camera eye, we are seeing it from a unique perspective. Yes. Because in Groundhog Day, you're with Bill Murray from the first loop and uh, you get to see it all through his eyes. Uh, in uh, Edge of Tomorrow, you see it with Tom Cruise's eyes, and then Tom Cruise gets Emily Blunt on his side, and she becomes his confidant and understands what's happening each time. Because you know, it happened to her. He, 
Is that what happened? It happened to her? Yeah. She, oh, that had, was the twist? Well, that's why she was so famous, and she was this famous warrior, because oh. uh, she did that the first go-around, the first battle, whatever it was. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. Um, but I just remember him, her training him, and she was yeah, like, that, well, that, that's how she was able to train him, uh, because she, she knew it from experience, although she lost the ability herself. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's this. So in, in, in this, it's a little bit of... Stamets is uh, Tom Cruise. Yes. But we're not with Stamets. We're with Michael Burnham. Yeah. So we're coming at it from a weird way. And uh, the, the show, the, the observer, whatever you want to call it, the camera eye, dips in. So the first time it loops, the first time she bumps into Stamets in the hallway, it's a... I would imagine that's the... We don't know. We don't know which loop it is, whether that's loop one, whether that's loop 17. It's kind of make, would make sense that it was loop one because he doesn't say anything. Well, you, no, I, I think he implies that uh, that he realized something strange was going on. This kind of sense of deja vu. So maybe he wasn't completely oh, aware of it at first. Right, right, right. But definitely early on in the cycle at the very least. Yeah. And then when we see him later, he's like, no, no, this is loop five. It's like, no, this is only our second go around. So that was a really nice... Uh, turning of the tables. They yes. flipped the script, if you will. They they made it a little different. And um, I guess also it's Harry Mudd is is the Tom Cruise Bill Murray. He's the one that started, that's also going through it every, every well, time. Well, he's, he's the alien right, that right. changes the time. Right. <laughs> but I, what, what it, like, I'm trying to think, like, who is the one who knows all? I guess they both know all, but we're not with Mudd Re- at all. Yeah, really, it's, it is Mudd. Yeah, and then, because it's great when you see him and he's like, oh, I've killed you so many times. Yeah. And then you see like a, a that was flashback. Nice little, that was a nice little montage. It was great. I <laughs> want to talk about Mudd's murders later because that, that's that's really something. But um, it this was, at first blanche, uh, you're like, oh, yeah, they're doing a Groundhog Day. I'm like, no, they're putting a little spin on it. They're putting some English on it. And it was really cool. So I got to give them hats off to that. And the other thing I want to talk about very quickly because it was a big note. Uh, from last week, and we we uh, I want to address it up front. The Stamets, sorry, not Stamets. The uh, Tyler Vock issue, yeah, remains still a mystery now. Uh, um, I'm I'm leaning toward after this episode. I'm leaning toward there's, there's no way. There's, well, that's what they want us to think, and there is there is some evidence to think that there's no way. Number one. Well, number one, he seems like a really good guy. Yeah. And, and I don't want him. Now I'm like, um, I want him and Michael Burnham to get together. I hope they yes, you know, fall um, in love and want to. I mean, that that those are the best kind of twists is when you want something to happen that yeah. badly and then they pull it away from you. But um, I, I just don't buy that if that's if that's Vok and he's that interested. Like, I don't buy it. He I, just seems like a really good guy. Yeah. Like, and, and also... If Muds, so there were two kind of red flags on the Voc uh, theory. So uh, red alert for a moment. Let me uh, sound red alert. Okay, we're sounding uh, red. Metal station sound, standby main phases. We're sounding red alert. Number one is the biggie. Mud is trying to sell the spore drive to the Klingons. Yes. Voc, undercover Voc, would likely not try to prevent that. Especially since during the last loop, I know we're jumping ahead of ourselves, the implication is Mud is going to just take the spore drive and leave the ship, and take Michael Burnham and then leave the ship safely. Vok would be okay with that. Well, not necessarily. I mean, what if, 
what if um, this is going to a sort of rival faction in a way? I mean, they, they don't actually say what Klingons they're selling it to. Oh, it could be Cole. Could be Cole, His and rival. maybe he doesn't know. I don't think he's down with Cole. <laughs> Mm, all right. So you- that that's something in there, but at the same time, uh, they one of the the plot points is yeah. that uh, they're trying to get information out of Tyler, and because he spent time with Harry with Harry Mudd in the, right, in the prison, yeah. and uh, I mean, could he have been there with him that long? I mean, they say he was there seven months, but I mean, to perpetuate that lie, that Mudd the, would have to be in on it in a little bit, maybe. But I, I don't buy that. No, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's two. And then the third. Wait, so those are those are two photon torpedoes in the side of the theory. That's one. And that's the other. <laughs> Here's the other one. But I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to immediately contradict myself. Okay. That's the way I roll. Saru's threat ganglia didn't go up around Vok. Around Tyler. Tyler, yeah. Now... Because uh, we finally saw Tyler on the bridge, and Saru was just doing his thing. Yeah. However, however, we only saw t- <laughs> Saru around Tyler when there was a lot of heavy stuff hitting the fan. Like yes. mud was there killing people. So there was n- like I, I what I I need to know more about the threat ganglia because I think threat ganglia only uh, exposes itself when there's like an insidious uh, hidden threat. When yeah. there's an obvious threat, like here is, you know, rogue uh, scallywag Harry Mudd with a phaser, like what's the point of throwing, showing well, I mean, a threat ganglia? Th- they didn't, oh, uh, yeah, okay. You know, because then why didn't we see the threat ganglia there? Because I think it's like, I think it's like the threat ganglia. But, but Tyler, Tyler Vock would be the, that insidious uh, right. kind of thing. So. so there was no, and the fact that we didn't yeah. see the threat ganglia is, is a photon torpedo against the theory. Okay. <laughs> but then I'm going to counteract that by saying because there was so much else going on, he didn't have time to worry about him. This yes, could because be... there was a, a yellow alert before he was on the bridge. Right. This would be my... But it also can't be the first time that they were in the same room together. It's the first time we've seen it. Right. Also, I can't believe that he's never been in Lorca's ready room with the Tribble yet. Yes. We haven't seen it, but now it's a couple weeks in. They're already having parties, well, drinking, I listening can, to Wyclef John. I can buy that he hasn't been in the ready room more than I can buy that uh, he hasn't been in a room with Saru at some point. Like, right. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I just want to point that out because later on, if it turns out he is Vok and somebody says, why didn't Saru's threat gangly go up? I'm going to say threat gangly only goes up when there's a quiet, mysterious threat, not when there's alerts and Harry Mudd. I feel like um I, I feel like if, if that is the case they'll they'll explain that. I hope so. Uh, in some convoluted way. I hope so. <laughs> so there was no cold open on this week's show. It went straight to the uh opening theme music. To the party, yeah. Yeah, straight to the party. Let's hear that music again. I well, felt I felt this this party scene felt very uh Kelvin. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, the people who don't like the Abrams uh, Abrams Lynn films are not going to like this episode. Well, I, I mean, I mean, even until, the way it's shot, also the lighting. Yeah, and uh, until we got to the the time loop part, I was like, whoa, what, what's, what? This is a little. I don't know. I liked it. I like seeing Tilly with her hair down, yes. literally and figuratively. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I do, I, I do like this episode, and uh, 
but I did have more problems with this episode than I have at other ones in the past. Because so. it didn't feel like Star Trek? Well, no, um, no. Uh, I liked the, as you mentioned, the twist with the Groundhog Day. That the, we, We're not seeing it through the eyes of the person experiencing the, the loop. Yeah. That was cool. And um, I liked that... Uh, I lost my notes. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. And I can't cut this out because the music's playing. Well, that's all right. I want to mention something that's really cool. Early on, we go past the, I guess it's the Astrometrics Lab or something. There's a big screen where it shows uh, that they're in the beta quadrant. And I did not have the time to hit freeze. So I'm going to go back and return and, and see all the little I planetoids remember, in there. I remember what I wanted to say was yeah. um, that this, to me, felt more like a the most standalone-esque episode that we've yes. seen yet. It is, and absolutely. I like that. It's a bottle episode for yeah. sure, and it ends. Um, it ends like real TOS. It ends really goofy. Yes. Um, when when the wife comes on <laughs> and she's like, "Hardcore fucking mind," it really felt like. I'm like, where's Bones? Where's yeah, Bones it, it to make felt, a joke here? It, they they did a great job of uh, making that feel like TOS. Yeah, I mean, it kind of looked like the woman, and <laughs> even though I'm, you know, they really. Mud the Murderer is something weird, but, uh, you know, right before the party starts, there's a little uh, montage, and Burnham says, you know, I am among the crew, but I am a part, and I think we were talking uh, last week about how this show doesn't really have, it doesn't have a clear one-to-one Spock counterpoint, like, you know, Data was the Spock, Seven of Nine was the Spock, Odo was the Spock, and in this... I guess Burnham is the Spock, but she's it's, she's not though. You know, it's uh, it's like half Burnham, half Saru. Yeah, exactly. But she says the line, "I'm among the crew, but I am a part." I mean, it's clear that like, you know, she considers herself the Spock of this. But uh, you know, it's re- it's really cool also how they've incorporated her science into propelling the plot. So when they get called away from uh, the party. And uh, Tyler has got to be at a security station because something's up, yellow alert. And then she's got to go because she has to investigate. She's a xenobiologist and yeah. she, she would know better than anybody what a gorming, Gormagander. Gormagander. Which is, is that a, that's not a real, I, you know, it, it, there's a, a collection of books called the Gormingast novels by Mervyn Peake, kind of like a poor man's Narnia or a poor man's Lord of the Rings. Uh, it was a BBC series also. It made me think of the Gormenghast novels. <laughs> Titus Groan. Um, but yeah, the Gormengander, which is this giant bug. And then... It's a space whale. It's a space whale. <laughs> Look great. And then Harry Mudd comes out, and he's wearing a bug helmet. Like, what the hell's that all about? I got uh, I, I got a, a Donnie Darko vibe out of that. Oh, Frank the Bunny. <laughs> yeah. Like space Frank the Bunny. Yeah, I'm digging that. That's funny. And then... but So here's another thing, right? So... The tech on Discovery, you know, not not really fitting in with canon. I know, canon breach. But, um, ladies and gentlemen, we've achieved, we have achieved canon breach, <laughs> red alert. Um, so they've got, uh, the view screen can show what's going on in the docking bay, which is, we've never had that before. Yeah. We've never had, like, security cameras. And I'm like, if they had that on the original series... When Bele and Lokai are running through the corridors and we don't know where they are and all that, it's just been so much easier for, you know, put up camera six. Where are they? You know, because <laughs> clearly 
you know, we have the technology now of security cameras. Clearly, they have it on the Enterprise. But this is just me being a pain in the butt. But but it was, I mean, listen, so they had the security camera. You know, on, on TOS on Arena, when the Metrons are like, we will now show you what is happening down on the planet. And then the, the screen becomes like a television screen. It becomes like what the show is. You know, that was always like a funny retcon of like, yes, the, the Metrons have the ability to just show you. We don't really know how. But... <laughs> Uh, I guess on on Discovery, you really can never hide, I guess, with those cameras there. Unless they're only in the docking bays. I would imagine that that's the retcon there. That's like, oh, no, 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 it's only in the docking bay. And they always had them before. They've never used them. We never saw them. Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh I mean, it's it's essentially a security camera, and we have those now. Like, why wouldn't there be a security <laughs> camera on a ship? I mean, really, it's, honestly, same on TOS for not having security cameras. In 1966, would they have had that technology? They probably did have closed-circuit television. I they, mean, they had, had to. They had the view screen. Yeah, yeah, they should have done it. All right. Well, it's not, you know, I'm sure that if you really go back and study it, uh, it the fact that it's never not shown is, uh, you know, is, is, is fine. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Engage. Engage. The official Star Trek podcast. Energize. So, Mud. They kind of make Mud Q in this episode. I can see He's that, a little yeah. bit more Q-like. I mean, partially because he has the special power, but it's because he's got a magic wristband or yes. something. Yes, and I'm, I'm very curious to, to hear more, I mean, how that came about or how he got, how he even got out of, of uh, prison. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He he must have swindled his way out. He always does come up, he turns does, up like yeah. a bad penny, um, but he's much more evil here than he was uh, as he's going to be. In, he's going to mellow in 10 years. Yeah. Because by the time Kirk meets him, and if he nearly took over the Enterprise with a time loop. Uh, sorry, if he nearly took over Discovery with a time loop, one would have to think that Lorca made a refer- record of this. Why is Kirk surprised to meet him 10 years from now? Hmm. That's a good question. Unless I'm forgetting iMud and when they, maybe there's a moment in iMud where they're like, oh yes, this fella, the, the Federation's aware of him. Yeah, I don't remember if they... Uh my brain is very fuzzy on those episodes. I am going to uh, go to my favorite website, Trek Transcripts, and see very quickly, because I wouldn't be surprised that in my own head, I've just forgotten. Uh, Mud's women. Here we go. Uh, uh, you're, it, it, no, you're, I don't think that they say, oh, yes, this guy. Not in my recollection. No. Mud does call Spock Vulcanian in this, which I love. Um, well, anyhow, um, he calls him, that's right, he calls him Leo Walsh. All right. Well, the fans will let me know if I'm forgetting something, I'm sure. But uh, the, the, the broader point is, you know, how to rectify Rain Wilson's performance and this show's uh, 
attitude toward Mud because he does seem a little bit more evil. I mean, for example, he kills Captain Lorca with a gun. Well, I mean, you can also make the argument that he, he also brought him back to life because he didn't kill him on the last round. Do you? Do you, you know what? <laughs> I like this. You know, you might be right. Let's dig this. Maybe Mud, maybe Mud is going to kill on the loops that he knows he's going to start over. Yeah, that's he, that's kind of how I, I was thinking. He's never going to yeah. kill for keeps. I mean, they don't show him killing anybody on that last loop. I mean, it is a very condensed loop. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't really have the time to do it. Or, you know, he could have. He had a he had a phaser. He could have just killed somebody for kicks. Like, I hate, what, what do you call him? Like you again. Mr. Security Officer yeah. Man. No, he called him Mr. Communications Man. Yeah. You, random, random communications officer man. <laughs> he could have shot him. So I say, in Mud's defense, Mud would never kill somebody for keeps. He's a bad guy. He's willing to strand people on a planet. He's willing to rat them out. He's willing to put them in harm's way, but he's not willing to actually pull the trigger no, himself. No, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to contradict this already. Ugh. Because on the second to last loop... Yeah. When he killed uh, Tyler with the, uh, the, the with the with the dark matter, yeah, yeah, he was going to complete the sale and end the loop then. You're right, but, but Burnham convinced him otherwise. So never mind. That you're, that's a completely out the window. You're right. You're right. So this mud is this mud is is he's no evil good. Holy smokes! Yeah, he he was ready to do it. I don't know, man. There's a lot to think about. Fascinating. So um, I guess. Uh, I guess that's right. All right. Well, we'll, 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 that so that's a little different thing. But you know, mud, mud definitely is. He's he's a different mud, and 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 you know, if you want to fight about that, you can. But he is also funny. He's not doing so much of the um, oh, laddie buck. He's not doing that sort of thing. But yeah. he does call him my capitan at some point, right? He throws yes, in a little French, which is straight up Q. I mean, Q always called he, Picard mon capitan, and he calls Lorca mon capitan, or does he? He says like he threw in a little French at the very end. That uh, I, I thought he, he actually... Yeah, no, he did. I don't remember what at what point it was. I mean, it had to be Delorca. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's heavy stuff. <clears throat> so the time crystal, you know, um, it's new technology. But what's interesting is when they're talking about it, this bummed me out. This is another... This is not a canon breach. This is, I think, a quibble of technology of whoever the science... I wanna, I'm going to quibble with whomever did the pass on this... For scientific accuracy. I'm coming at you. I am no physicist. Who was our guest that was on the show that one time? Dr. Um, Dr. David Greer. Yes. And the other doctor, the professor who wrote that book. We had a lot of important scientists on engaged the official Star Trek <laughs> So podcast. important that I can't remember their names. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That guy, you know, he, he's, he, he's a great guy. He wrote the physics of Star Trek. Um, when they're talking, when Stamets and... Uh, and Burnham are talking about the time crystal. They say he must have gotten it for some from some sort of four-dimensional race, which sounds like it makes sense. Brian, I say to you this. We are four-dimensional races. You and I live in four dimensions. We do? We live in four dimensions. We have up and down is one. In and out, oh, yeah. that's two. Uh, uh, the other way is three. And time is the fourth dimension. We exist in four dimensions. Okay. We can't control the fourth dimension. What I think it was Stamets who said it. Now, granted, Stamets is on mushrooms, so they can make a mistake. What Stamets meant to say was a fifth dimensional 
race, a fifth dimensional species, higher dimensional, because you need to be in five dimensions. Don't look at me like this. I know what I'm talking about. You need to be. I'm in, trying to follow it. You need to be in five dimensions, which, according to uh, some of the books I've half understood, say you need to be in five dimensions in order to manipulate four dimensions. In other words, in order to manipulate space time which is what we exist in. Okay. We exist in space-time, but we only have the ability to manipulate three of the four dimensions that we exist so in. So does it scale like that? So yes. If, if you're in the, it does. It's like the, it's like the 20th century is really the 1900s. Okay. If you exist in if you're a fifth dimensional creature, you can't manipulate the uh, hypothetical sixth dimension. I swear to you I'm not making I read wow, okay. I read The Elegant Universe by Brian Greene, uh who, which is a book I, I didn't quite understand, and it talks about this very thing. It's like one of the things that I retain was that we are four-dimensional creatures. And in fact, we do manipulate time in very, very subtle ways. For example, I mean, there's the, there's the concept of if we, if we were to go in a spaceship and travel close to the speed of light and come back, uh, you would come back and you'd be the same age and your kid would be but, as old yes. as your grandfather. That is, uh, and as, as shown in the movie Interstellar. Yes. You know, Matthew McConaughey crying, oh, I abandoned my daughter. <laughs> Very sad. Um, we do that when we travel, like when we go on a train. Einstein r- writes about this. I never read Einstein. I read Brian Greene's condensation of Einstein and half understood it. But when you go on a train and you zoom past a guy who is walking parallel to that train, your molecules are traveling um, relative to where you are. And it means that when you come off that train, you are, and I'm being serious now, one one quazillionth younger than you were before you got on or something like that. It's like you you don't age at the same time. The light neutron moves back and forth. I, so what you're saying is travel more and, and stay younger. You could, yeah. If you travel more, you stay younger. You live an extra one one zillionth of a second. It does manipulate uh, the, the, the same theory about the going close to going in the rock and coming. The same thing that happens in Interstellar. Okay. Happens to us when we are in physical motion. It's but a physics thing. On a thing. much smaller scale. On a microscopic, almost uh, unprovable scale. Interesting. Uh, and this means just walking. Like if you're walking compared to somebody who's standing, you, you're time traveling a tiny bit. Huh. I never would have thought of it like well, that. Well, it's, it's crazy. Very interesting. It's crazy, but it is, and it's sort of provable. I mean, uh, you know, what do I know? But So I bring this up merely to say to my good friends on the writing staff of Star Trek Discovery, whom I love, who are bringing me and bringing you and bringing all of us a fantastic show week to week. I'm loving this show. 2017 has been a horror in so many ways, but when it comes to uh, the new day of Star Trek, it's been so great has totally exceeded my expectations. This is a big wind-up of me kissing their ass to say they screwed up on this line. And I demand satisfaction. (laughs) (laughs) You know, incidentally, Brian, we're talking a lot about Star Trek Discovery, television show that we've been really digging. And if you're listening to this week to week, there's still two more episodes to go. Yes. Before Um, the break. Before the break. So it's about time. If you've been on the fence, it's time now to chomp down and get your... Uh, pass to CBS All Access. If yes. you live in these United States, if you live in these United States, you might want to eventually say, I've had enough hearing about Star Trek Discovery. I want to watch it on screen. 
on screen. I want to watch Star Trek Discovery, and the way you do it is um, through through CBS All Access. Now, dig this: first week is free, and then after that, it's six bucks a month. Uh, or if you want to pay for the premium package, it's 10 bucks a month, but you don't have to do that. It's six bucks a month. You get all the episodes of Discovery. They're not going anywhere. You can binge it all. Now you can really, you could sit. What I'm planning to do before, like right after the last episode before the hiatus, I'm going to make myself a big bowl of popcorn. I'm going to sit down on the couch and I'm going to binge the whole thing. Not Nine hours. Idea. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a six pack. <laughs> I'm going to get some Romulan ale. I'm really going to do it. It's going to be great. Uh, but no, so now's the time. And it's uh, CBS All Access is great. It's a new platform. It's a new platform. And um, by and large, it's been working very well. I like to be honest on my show. There was one night where there was a little bit of a kerfuffle, but they fixed it. Which, which one was that? I'm not saying, but okay. there was a couple right. of weeks ago. Where I haven't had any issues yet. Yeah, not everybody has, but okay. some people have. So that's but, but the point is it's new. It's brand new. It's a new thing. It's just getting started. And the um, people that have been subscribed to it, I mean, it's just it's, every week it goes up and up and up. So it's not going anywhere. Uh, Discovery, you know, we didn't even mention this because it was such an obvious thing. It was officially renewed yes. for season two. I thought we were going to open with that. But it's a like, non-story because who doubted it? Yeah. Who doubted it? So now there's a season two coming. So we have a hiatus and then it comes back. It, uh, if we got two more weeks, a hiatus comes back in January for the remaining seven Seven, yes. And then there's another break of, of who knows how long. But while you got your oh, all no, access- Oh, no, it's only six now because they moved to one. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But um, they, uh, you get all of uh, the new stuff. You get all the legacy Star Trek, DS9, TOS, the whole thing. A lot of TV shows. Everything on CBS. Yep. Uh, Hawaii Five O, CSI, NCIS, 60 Minutes. What else? Um... Young Sheldon. Young Sheldon. Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Cheers, which Cheers, was yeah. which is now owned by it was never on CBS. When I was a kid, it was on NBC. C, you know, CBS well, bought the library. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah. When when Cheers yeah. was actually on the air, well, same with Star Trek. Yeah, when the original uh, that's, Star that's Trek. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> the original Star Trek was on NBC, but it, you know th- these ownerships sometimes change hands. So that's the deal. CBS All Access, a great deal. If you've been on the fence, now's the time because you get the one week free and then you can binge it all and get ready for the last week. You can watch it live with everybody. It goes live 8.30 on Sundays, usually a few minutes early. For the free week, go direct to cbs.com slash Star Trek. You make sure you get your free week that way. And um, that's what you're going to want to do. What would Saru do? He'd do it. He'd do it, yeah. Saru plays by the rules. He does. Saru, when um, Burnham and um, Tyler, are say, when they already are aware that the big fish, the Gormenghast, is, is dangerous, <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 let's leave it there, uh, Saru is like, but uh, according to Regulation 56.1, blah, 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 we must do this. We must save the endangered species. Right, right, right. It's awesome. Now, you know what I love about this also is... Um, at first, Stamets is like, I got to, you know, he's trying to really get information out of Tyler yeah. to stop uh, Mud, and the implication is, like, he just couldn't get, like, there, he's he tried 25 times, <laughs> and he's getting tired. And then at first, I'm thinking to myself, why doesn't he just go to Lorca? Lorca's the captain. Go directly to the captain. And then my guess is that he tried, and Lorca didn't want to hear from him. Yeah. It either, had to come- either that or Mud is targeting him early. And he's, maybe he's not there. There's a lot of like wiggle room to, to yeah. play it out in your head. And what I think it is, 
is he realized that the way to do it, he Stamets himself, because he's got a reputation as being wacky now, and I don't think Lorca and Stamets really get along that much. I think he realized that it's got to be that Lorca likes Burnham and Lorca likes Taylor. Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. So he's got to go through them to save the day. Although it still it, it still felt a little um, forced in that way, I think. Like it, it was like, oh, that's the only way we can do it, this really contrived way. And well, because they got to do the whole yeah. thing with them falling and, in and love. The, the, yeah. one, the got- one other comment I had to make about that was uh, in the very beginning with when when Burnham first gives the description of the Gormander, Gormagander, it's like she's saying, like, oh, it's this creature that stays by itself and doesn't really socialize and <laughs> fall in love. And it's like, oh, like you. Yeah. yeah. It's, again, two on the nose for me. You know, listen, a lot of people watch TV half looking at their phone or they're on the, they're cooking or something. You got to sometimes hammer it, hammer it a little hard. This is Star Trek. We all, we all want to pay attention. I <laughs> do not disagree that that was a little, um, as you say, on, on the schnoz, a little <laughs> on the schnoz. It, uh, yeah, but it, but, it, but you know, you get what they're going for. Yeah. You know, it's never been. Like, hey, do you listen now? That just between now that you know, it's just us listening now. Do you think Michael Burnham has uh, never engaged in the physical act of love? Y- yeah, you think that she- I agree. I, I agree with that statement. Yes, I, I, I think she is. Uh, she is pure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know though. She might have been like I'm. A, I am curious about human mating. Uh, habits. No, I, I, I couldn't. They're not. They're not prudish in this time. In this timeline, you know, like I, it, they're not. Um, so you say maybe she's had some some very mechanical relations. Yeah, like I, like you know, oh, she's too young. She's career focused. Well, that's the other implication that she's like I was on. I was on the Shenzhou for seven years. I never had a boyfriend. Yeah. So I dig that she never had a boyfriend. But did she ever have uh, an, uh, you know, a, a fling? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that she is not. It's none of our business. It is none of our business. It's none of our Until business. Until they put make it part of the story. They won't, because <laughs> I think it's as close as we're going to get Probably, to ever yeah. knowing. Unless she and Tyler do, do oh, yeah, start no, making like, oh, out. Ha- then I'm like, oh, I haven't done this before. Right, yeah, they can right. throw that line in there. Well, we're going to find out. I Listen, I'm not shaming And then anyone. she looks up and it's, fuck, oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> getting fucked i'm gonna say that um i'm gonna say that i do not everyone blossoms at their own pace yes and i will not shame anyone uh if she chooses to remain uh you know uh, uh you know solo that's her prerogative um nor do i shame anyone for being uh, having a more uh you know uh easygoing attitude in the, that department but it is interesting that this is probably the first time in my life of watching star trek wondering uh, this question, other than Wesley, did Wesley ever uh, get it on at some point on his travels? Good but uh, answer being no. So uh, I guess we'll find. I get we, we, you know, if if the relationship with Tyler continues and it becomes physically intimate, which I would suggest that it will be, because yes. this show, especially with Tilly around, Tilly is a bit of a chatterbox. I mean, she she is a very um, earthy woman, you know. Yeah. Although she is a little bit neurotic, she uh, she talks about dates and you know she. Does her hair nice, and she, you know, for a woman who is nervous a lot of times, she can get conf- she gets confident very quickly. She did. She did seem very comfortable in that uh, party environment. Yeah. Well, so you know, that's good. I mean, she, and also on her first away mission, when the uh, tard, what was the thing Tar- called? Tardigrade. Yeah, the tardigrade. She was like, show yourself when the yeah. Klingon was there. She can get tough. You know, she's one of these people who has a lot of insecurity, and then will very quickly compensate for it because she's aware of her insecurities. Uh, whereas Burnham 
being Sarek's goddaughter and being a Vulcan and being a human Vulcan and being on the ship, blah, blah, blah. She's got all this, all these, you know, she's got all these issues in her head. I think uh, Tilly is a much more take charge kind of gal. So, you know, there are people out there on the internet that don't like Tilly. Well, yeah, no, we, we talked about this uh, last we week or week the, before yeah. that that she's the quote unquote Wesley of uh, Discovery. Yeah. Well, I like, like Tilly. Yeah, people don't like some I, people. I, I did like Wesley too. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Who doesn't like Tilly? What's wrong? If you don't like Tilly, look within yourself. I mean, I, I will ask say, yourself why you don't like Tilly. I will say that um, her introduction was a little. It was a, a bit of an adjustment. Yeah, but since then, I I I wouldn't want the show without her. No, she's funny. <laughs> She's, uh, you know, she she's, and then also she uh, she helps out. She's not just uh, she's not just there to 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 do girl talk. She's there at the end. Um, she was with the beast doing something. She was scanning well, the she ship was, or she, whatever. She was. Oh yeah, that's right. Because Burnham couldn't uh, couldn't find the source of the energy. Signature. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, she jumped. She's not just there to to tell Burnham to go make flirty eyes true. with Ash Tyler. Although it does seem to be something that that. That gets her very excited is that 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 they call that shipping, you know. And yes. she's shipping, she's shipping Michael Ash Mash. I guess you call it shipping Mash. mash. Are you shipping Mash? Turnum, Turnum. <laughs> Are you shipping Mash Turnum? <laughs> oh man, it's gonna suck when he turns out to be a bad guy. Everybody's heart's gonna be broken. It's yes. gonna suck because whatever it is, it's not as we think it is. Either he's Vok or he's something else. Yeah, no. Uh, if Something he's not, if he's not, I mean, uh, again, we still have not seen Vok since, since he was uh, abandoned. On we the, didn't see uh, any Klingons on this one. Did we, we did not. No. Well, unless he is one, but but still, uh, we have not seen Vok as Klingon since he was abandoned on the Shenzhou. Uh So yeah. it's still a possibility, but I mean, I, I still feel like uh, I there's a f- few too many holes in it. And it's it's losing it's losing it for me. What do you think of the use of plastic cups in this show? They drink out of large pint-sized plastic cups. Well, I mean, a red soul cup is a staple <clears throat> of the party, but um, um, <laughs> these are clear. These are clear. Yeah. Um, so they drink their green juice out of their yeah, straws. I don't know. Uh, it 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 didn't seem like ceramic. It, I feel it, like uh, they should go with ceramic. Yeah, it didn't seem very um, Star Trek. No, I I I don't know. I mean, that party didn't seem Star Trek to me. No, no, it didn't. It, it I mean, look, let's think about parties and other. I mean, on Enterprise, they had movie night, and there was they would watch a movie, and on TNG, they would they would have birthday parties sometimes, but yeah. it was like the party would be, let's watch Data perform Johannes Brahms on yeah. the oboe. And it was very genteel. Yeah, and they all drank out of ceramic cups. Yeah. <laughs> Picard. Would like how would Picard have dealt with? And on TOS, they would have. They did have the cocktail parties, but on the planet, on on the episode "Conscious of the King," they 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 beam down and there's like a and there's a little bit like groovy space. Uh, uh, there's a little bit of like groovy space jazz, but that's in somebody's home on the planet. And then they go to on in trouble with tribbles. They go to uh, they're at the, the space station and they're at the pub. Wolf in the fold. They watch a belly dancer, but they're on a planet. When they're on the ship, there's in um in um. Uh, the the episode with the Romulans, uh, Bounce of Terror, they're at a wedding ceremony. So that's festive, but it's like it's in a chapel. And then Journey to Babel, they have, uh, you know, the uh, the delegates and they come, but it's all very proper. The party that we saw last 
last night or tonight on this episode on 107 uh, is more from the bar scene of Star Trek 2009, the J.J. Yeah. Abrams. Um, and that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was fun. You got to loosen up, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's, um, it had a very, um, current era military vibe, like letting off steam kind of thing, you know? <laughs> like in those documentaries. You imagine like the yeah. ship coming in. It's like, oh, hey, let's go to the bar and party. You know, we'll sure leave. Right. Like that kind of. Right, 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 right. I think that maybe there'll be a, cor- it would be interesting if down the line there's a correction and we see uh, our people doing something of the sort of enlightened, enriched milieu of data playing Johannes Brahms on yeah. an elbow, you know, like uh, we need a little bit of like museum time. Yeah, because that I mean, that was Picard's ship, though. You know, Picard was a was a museum docent. You know, he yeah. he had that professorial side to him, uh, and it was a, had there was a lot of decorum on his ship. They they did not. Um, it's a different it's a different vibe. It's funny in a way because Discovery forget the look, forget the tech, the attitude on Discovery is a lot more like TOS than TNG, which I guess makes sense because it's supposed to be set during that time period. Well, I'm also curious, too. I mean, you think that this is supposed to be like a, a Black Ops experimental kind of thing. It, it, maybe it's like a, a a younger, best and brightest type of crew compared to other ships. We so work little, hard. We play hard. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, they, they, need to, they need to let off some steam, and more so than a, 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 a more... <laughs> you know uh stable ship or something right and they're not the flagship they're not they're not they're, they are they're not being watched as much especially since uh ambassador admiral cornwell admiral cornwell is still trapped we don't know where she is yep. in cankery 4 we didn't we didn't see her this week no we did not so many threads oh my god there's so much to catch up on but i like that i like that they they, they leave things sitting yeah. for a week like after we saw the um stamus in the mirror they didn't really address it the next uh, episode. I know, and then they do it then uh, again later on. Yeah, we've got we've got three big question marks. Where is Vok? And by extension, where is Lorel? Where? What's up with Stamets in the Mirror Universe or Stamets in the Mirror? What's going on with the Admiral? This week was a much needed quote unquote bottle episode. You know, yeah. they didn't go anywhere. Well, they haven't been going anywhere in a lot of stuff. It's a lot of it's been on planets, but. This was a bottle episode. It was a fun episode. It was a it was a hats off to previous existing stuff. You know, yes. cause and effect. Um, and I would imagine that when they were mapping out the season, <clears throat> when they're in that room, that fabled room, and they got a big white whiteboard and they're figuring out what are we doing in season one, there was probably a faction saying we need one episode among the first ten to be a fun bottle episode that you don't need to know much. You can just drop in and watch it and dig the science fiction. And this was it. I mean, it's cool to know a little bit about, um, uh, you know, mud and whatnot. But you don't really have to. You know, it's a time yeah. loop. Anybody could do it. So, so here's a question I have yeah. about mud. Now, is that do you think that's it for him? Do you think we see him again on uh, on Discovery? Uh, huh. I mean, he's he's now reunited with. Uh, I, I think they're gonna. I think it's not gonna be for a while. Yeah, I would say no. I, I would probably not because he's back with the wife. And the next time we'll see him is I Mud, or not I Mud. That was the second one. Uh, Mud's women, Mud's yeah. women. But who knows? Maybe season two. You know? I mean, I think Rian Wilson is great. I oh, like yeah, him. Yeah, I've yeah. Ever, I've enjoyed him on the show. But uh, I, 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 with that ending, I felt I felt that like, oh, maybe maybe he's not coming back. It was a this. so long Mud, and it was very much an ending to a TOS. It was like get the get the baddie of the week 
on the transporter pad and get him out of here. Yep. You know? Um, so that was uh, that. So fans out there, if you have um, comments, questions, be sure to go to facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast. Or you can hit me up over Twitter at Jay Hoffman. Uh, I'm going to open the Facebook page now. we got some messages here. Somebody thought it was funny. Somebody who is a hard uh, believer of the Vok Ash theory reminds us to think that um, Ash might be called Ash because he's rising from the ashes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's my theory. This is from a woman by the name of Emily. Emily M. says, uh, okay, my Vok Ash theory is that he is a double agent but lost his memory. Sort of like that DS9 episode where they try to convince Bashir he's a Dominion spy, but had his memory erased. Could be a long shot, but I'm calling it now that he's a Klingon spy and he doesn't even know it. Like yeah, he's a sleeper agent. You know agent. what? That that's actually a great way to resolve all, Manchurian all my candidate. issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen I've seen other sci-fi shows do that. They've had they had the sleeper agent that is like activated, and they're like, oh god. <laughs> well, that's. Um, uh, yeah, but why would they do that though? Why would the, well, no, no, no. no. I, I'm, I'm, not sa- I'm not saying I, I, this is probably an unintended side effect. So it's probably uh, that he will eventually something will trigger his memory. It's like, oh no, wait, I'm a Klingon. I'm not this guy. Like, so, so like, you, I, I don't think it, it was done on purpose that he forgot everything. Right. I think it may have just happened. When and you, then when you get the plastic surgery for six weeks, you don't know who you are. Well, no, no. I I think it just may be some unintended. Uh, accident, like it's not part of the process. It just happened to happen. All right, all right. I think that that would be an acceptable way to to uh, fill out the that Vok is Tyler and couple that with all his actions. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Um, other no, uh, yeah. There were some other notes about the Vok issue. That seems to be something fun that everybody likes talking about. But if you have any other comments, that was a comment of the week. There, thank you to Emily M. And uh, yeah, I think it's about that time. I think it's time to go. One hundred and seven really blew us away. I'm looking forward to the next one, Brian. What do you think is going to happen next week? Um, well, as I mentioned, they, they seem to like to skip an episode with the storyline. So uh, I, I, I imagine that we will see some of uh, Admiral Cornwell. Uh, next episode and what happened to her yeah yeah she's with the with the klingons and the kankri four um and i want to know what's going on with that mirror thing yeah that's another possibility too that we make because i mean they've acknowledged that uh he's on sport time he's on sport time but they haven't really <laughs> delved into it and i, I also uh i think last week you, you said that he was being the active Spore drive now. Yeah, uh, yeah, the he thing. is. And I, I disagreed, but clearly no, he you were is. correct. He is the guy, and he's got it on his arm. He doesn't yeah. have to shove it up his... Uh... But, you know, what's what's great now is what I loved... What one? I mean, listen, I would imagine that they're there. They're like, like I said a moment ago, I was like, we want to have one episode that's a bottle episode that's very sci-fi. All right, let's do a time loop. Great. And they're thinking, what do we... What can we do that's different? And we discussed the other thing, which is... Uh, you know, uh, where our point of view, where the camera eye is, where, where the show's point of view is different than before. But what's great is they found a reason in the story. You know, it's like, what do we got? We got this guy. We got Stamets. He's on Spore plane. He exists in Sporeville. Oh, let's use that. And that just, to me, showed, I don't know, a little extra oomph 
of like, let's make sure everybody's doing something that makes sense to the character. Yes. You know, it's like, we got a space elephant. Well, Burnham's a, a xenobiologist. She goes to check it out. Uh, Stamets is going to be the guy that can travel through the loops. Why? Well, he's got the sport. I mean, who really knows? But it's just like, I just thought it was good the way they incorporated this crazy function that he serves that they're still figuring out week to week, you know? Yeah. It just struck me as when I realized it, that he was the constant, like I I realized why at the moment he said, I'm like, of course he is. Yeah. Because he exists outside of space time thanks to his spore infusion. Yep. (laughs) Which is so ridiculous. But it was really cool. So there you go. I saw something else online of uh, like a, a piece of fan art of like Anthony Rapp, um, like all psychedelic on spores and stuff. I thought it was pretty <laughs> funny. So cool. So you think next week is going to be uh, back to Cancri Four? Um, not necessarily. I mean, uh, I, I think we'll we'll have some mention of that. I mean, I, I feel like we have to see some Klingons again soon. Oh yeah, we demand it. We demand it. We, the fans, demand more Klingons. We need to see what's going on. All right, cool. Well, listen, and also, is Sarek still on the ship? That's a good question. Uh, he, he must not be. Bay? No, there's no way that they wouldn't have uh, shown him in all this. Well, they wouldn't have shown him because if they show him, they got to pay that extra uh, that actor uh, for another. Well, story wise, <laughs> it's like, oh, he's he's sitting in in sick bay. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? The the time cycle was only uh, half hour. Half hour. But still, you have. Uh, I mean, Burnham. Mega- Burnham. Burnham has has. Uh, Cross the galaxy with her mind to seek advice from yeah, Sarek. He's mega why wouldn't Why wouldn't he do it now? Right, and, do also, it now. and also because he's he's a very wise man. You yeah, would maybe consult. There's no. Like you say, there's only a half hour. Yeah, probably in one of the loops we didn't see. Burnham is like, I must consult Sarek. Although she's mad at him now. That's true. She did walk away. She's and, mad yeah. at him. She's gonna figure out the time. You know, she's she she literally doesn't have time for that. It's true. She's only got a half hour. She's gonna let that guy sit in sick bay. You know, and good for her. Enough of that, Sarek. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right, good. Well, listen, this has been another episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I hope you're having a good time listening to the show as much as we're having uh, uh, bringing it to you via whether you use iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any of that other stuff. Next week, we're going to have more, another recap, and we're working on special guests. I don't want to jinx it. We're working on, I'm breaking, breaking the studio. That's okay. Uh, we're working on special guests, and we think we're going to get some special guests in here soon. But if we don't, you're our special guest, all right? So thanks again for listening. Be sure to like us, like and subscribe, as they say, and we'll catch you next week. time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.